Hello and welcome to Audiobook Connection, behind the scenes with the creative teams. I'm Becky Parker Geist and I'm your host. Audiobook Connection is your place to learn about the audiobook creative process in discussions between the authors, narrators, producers, and post-production teams that bring them all together, as well as guests who have listened to the audiobooks and have questions for the creative teams. This podcast is sponsored by Pro Audio Voices, helping great stories come alive through audiobook production and marketing. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Today, I have with me Lindsay Salatka. Lindsay is an award-winning author, editor, and book coach. Her best-selling debut novel, Fish Heads and Duck Skin, was published in 2021 by She Writes Press. Her writing has been featured in Shanghai Family Magazine, Urbanatomy, Shanghai, Art in the Time of Unbearable Crisis, Zibby Mag, and Shaking the Tree. She currently serves as the director of the Kids Write Children's Writing Contest and is on the board of the Friends of the San Diego Central Library, where she is co-coordinator for the Author of the Month program. Lindsay, welcome and thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. So let's, I, I like kind of starting at the beginning, getting a feel for you know, who people are from when they were starting out. Tell us a little bit about your background, where you grew up. Oh, well, I grew up in the wilds of Phoenix, Arizona. Ah. <laughs> and I started writing there when I was in grade school, just fun little stuff. I started, I had a lot of pen pals as a kid. And just as a side note, part of the reason that I agreed to be the director of this children's writing contest is because I, I won a contest as a kid and it really gave me the confidence to continue writing. Nice. And so I think that, you know, as I read about more authors, because I'm constantly reading, <laughs> reading and reading about authors, I, I noticed that a lot of them, like Jackie, Jacqueline Woodson, for example, they won writing contests as kids and that's what buoyed them. And so I, I think, oh my gosh, just think what we could get if we could recognize kids as they're starting out so they feel like they can pursue this or or yeah. they might be good at this. So that's that's kind of why I've, I'm doing that. But yeah, so Phoenix and then I went to University of Arizona. I, I, I majored in creative writing and well, I was a, it was like a kind of like a general studies major. It was creative writing, French and, and business. And then I went to work, not in a writing related field. I actually was a, I sold medical devices. And then I moved to Asia with my husband and my daughter. And we lived there for seven years. We lived two years in Bali and five years in Shanghai. And what was the reason for the move? My husband got a really great opportunity. We moved to Bali after the first bombing and he was approached uh, by an NGO to run bolster trade in, in Eastern Indonesia because it had completely stopped after the bombing. So he was setting up just other ways for people to trade other than, you know, having like a tiny shop on the corner of their, of mm. their street. Mm -hmm. So, so he was, set, you know, taking them to trade shows, setting up websites, finding other ways to let people know about their work. And so we got to meet, I mean, I say we, he got to meet, but also I kind of glommed on and got to meet a lot of different artisans of, of, of this beautiful stuff that was being made in, in Eastern Indonesia. Nice. And because I, kind of glommed on and learned a lot about it. When we moved to China, I actually started a jewelry company. I was importing jewelry from Bali and Eastern Indonesia into Shanghai. Oh, interesting. And how old was your your daughter at the time of the move? 
she was 18 months when we got to Bali. And then she was three and a half when we moved to Shanghai. And then I had two more kids while I was there. My youngest was born in Shanghai. The middle one, I was pregnant the whole time. And then we came back and had her. But, you know, I met so many people that had babies over there that I thought, okay, I can do this. Mm -hmm. So we did that for, for our third daughter. And so once I quit my big job and got kind of open, it opened up my creativity again. So I was, I was doing this jewelry company, but I was also writing again. Yeah. And especially in Shanghai, I thought, oh, wow, this is such an interesting life and culture. And I had, I, I could tell that I had new eyes, which means what I mean by that is I was noticing things that I knew I wouldn't notice for long. So I would say to somebody, maybe there was another expat there that had been there for 10 years. And I would say, oh my gosh, did you see that the guy straddling the live wire, cutting the tree on, you know, Ulamuchi Lu? And, and she'd be like, oh yeah. I mean, like they don't, after a while, you don't notice the right. stuff that you see when you're new. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I can write this down. I have to write this because... I'm not going to see it for much longer. Right. Interesting. So it's really of, interesting. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. sort of gave me a sense of urgency. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I got to yeah. write it while I can see it. Right. And so I started writing it. My my story as a, it was actually going to be a screenplay. That was how I kind of visualized it. Yeah. And then I decided, oh no, maybe I should just do more of a collection of short stories because that was sort of how it was making sense for it to be put into words. And then I decided, oh, no, I don't want to do that. I want it to be one whole story with a beginning, middle, and an end. So then I crafted it as a memoir. And then I decided I didn't want it to be a memoir because I was pregnant twice in Shanghai and we had gone to Bali first and it was so big and messy. And I was like, I just want this to be a clean story about a an American family in Shanghai. And so I took out I, I, I cleaned it up. I added, I, I dialed it up and made it a lot more dramatic and, you know, added characters and changed the characters and, and then put it out as a, as a novel. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. here we are. <laughs> yeah. That's great. So this feels like kind of a, a great moment to jump in a little bit into the audiobook casting yeah. process because I know that in previous conversation, we talked a little bit about this and I would love for, our listeners here on Audiobook Connection to hear some of what you've expressed about what that your casting expectations and then how that played out. So you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I felt like it was going to be really difficult to meet my expectations, not because I needed it to be perfect, but because I I needed I I wanted so an American accent, you know, a southwestern American accent, but this person, but I also needed this narrator to speak fluent Mandarin and, and sound like a native speaker and, or be a native speaker and also be able to speak for Mandarin. So they didn't sound like a native speaker, <laughs> like, <laughs> like the main character. <laughs> and then, and then there were other accents, right? Cause there were other expats in the book from Australia and, and England. And so I wanted, so the accents, that was it. And, and then also just the tone, right? So, I mean, it's a pretty, it's light, it's funny. There, I mean, it's not all funny, but it's mostly funny. And so I didn't want it to be like, then 
you know, the sky opened up and I, I wanted it to be. Like, <laughs> I'm clearly not a narrator. But and I knew I couldn't narrate it, by the way, because I don't speak fluent Mandarin. I speak, you know, basic Mandarin. And and so I knew it was not me. And and I'm yeah, that's never I will never do that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm leaving that to the experts. And so I just thought this is going to be a challenge. But I honestly felt like you sent or I got probably six to eight really good narrators that I felt there were, I mean, I was like, wow, I mean, I could go in all of these directions and yeah. be okay with it. I I ranked them and picked them by, you know, but I felt really good about, about my choices. And I was surprised that there were so many people available that are voice actors that you can, that you're able to find. And, and so, yeah, I loved my narrator. I thought yeah. she did a great job. Yeah. And that was, yeah, that was Hannah Baker was for our for our yes, listeners. Yes, yes. Hannah, Hannah Baker. Hannah She's wonderful. Yeah. 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 I know that's so interesting to me. The, you know, when we, when we enter into that, that casting process, especially with these more challenging set of criteria, it's fascinating to me as well, how many people actually have this, you know, the eclectic range of skills or languages or accents that we need. It, it kind of blows mm -hmm. me away. And I'm, you know, I have a lot of a, a lot of respect and, and just want to honor both the casting process and also the wonderful set of, you know, the group of narrators that have that, that do this work in audiobooks. So in a meeting recently where we were talking about our superpowers, which is never comfortable for me because I don't like talking about what I like about myself. <laughs> it's just weird. <laughs> but I will say that so many people don't recognize some of the things that they're able to do. That other people are like, wait, what? You do that? You know, like, oh, by the way, and I speak fluent Mandarin, you know, it's like they don't, a lot of people don't even acknowledge that that's a superpower. You know, that's, I mean, or sp speak fluent Spanish. Like I'm in Southern California. I work with a bunch of people that speak fluent Spanish. And I'm like, that's super cool. I mean, I wish I spoke. I can barely say a aeropuerto. I can't, they, I'm impressed by anybody that has the, like that level, like the, the the high proficiency level of fluency in any other language. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I, I found that myself, you know, what you're talking about, that same feeling of uh, there are things that, that I do in audiobook production and narration and, you know, marketing, all these different things that I've developed these skills for. And I think, well, you know, uh, that, that that's actually this particular thing might be, oh, that's pretty easy, you know, someone. And then if I... If I try to step back into that, what you were talking about earlier, that sort of first sight, those new eyes, I go, oh, you know, actually, it's only easy now because I figured out how to do it. I've done it a lot of times. You know, I've been over the bumpy road to get to the smooth part, you know. Yeah, I think we, I think we all have superpowers and just don't acknowledge, typically don't acknowledge or recognize in ourselves recognize. What, what they are. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I don't find in my conversations, a lot of people that's, I mean, I don't, I know this isn't always true, but I, I feel like people undervalue their superpowers. Yeah. You don't, you know, I don't run across maybe just the people that I, that I am around. A lot of people that say they're really good at something that are not. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, it's usually the opposite. It's like, oh, I'm okay at this. And then, you know, they're the master that yeah. you always wish you could be. So it's yeah. like, <laughs> pretty cool. I yeah. think it's, it's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And, and then 
So you were writing. When did you get into helping other authors? You know, when did you sort of take that step where you recognized, oh, you know, I I can help this person with what their needs are. And you, so you're doing you're doing editing and you're a book coach. When did that part of your journey begin? And what triggered it? I it's funny. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm running back into the superpower thing, but I, I'm not going okay. to like, bang that rock forever. <laughs> so I'm a very good spotter of like tiny, like punctuation. You know, you have a missing comma, you have a missing close parentheses, like things that I see in in traditionally published books. I find errors all the time. I, You know, things that have been combed over and combed over. And so... You know, I don't know. My 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 grandfather was a cinematographer, and he was really good at that too. Finding teeny things in frames to you know, like a hair that's twenty miles away that like you know ruins the back shot or whatever. So so I don't know. I'm saying it might be genetic. So I. It's also uh, okay for you, Lindsay, to own your own your own skills here. You don't have to necessarily give credit to give it to my grandpa. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, but yeah, so I did recognize, oh, I, I think I see things that a lot of people are missing. So that was like a more of a copy editing skill. Yeah. So I took, I took a, a class at UCSD or, you know, to, to get to kind of hone that. And, and, and then I, I started getting a lot of feedback from people when I would, so when I was reading people's books and I would say, oh, you know, here's what I'm feeling right now. I wish I felt that on page 200 because this is, this is how I want to feel the full time. So I just started to recognize on a larger level what was missing in an, in a book and what made, what made a book great. So I couldn't, so I can look at, and I prefer that to, to the copy editing piece now because it's more fulfilling to talk to some, I mean, I, you know, obviously I like to help, so I can do the copy editing too. But I, but for me, I get a lot of satisfaction and joy from talking to somebody about their manuscript. Obviously these are, I mean, manuscripts are like babies, right? Like people, everybody's very sensitive, especially a memoir or something, you know, a first book when you haven't been through the editing process yet. So you, you know, you don't want to talk to somebody that's like, well, you know, here are all the things that are wrong. It's like, there's a certain way to talk to somebody about their work that is, that is respectful and kind and helpful. So I just, I've just started doing it more and more and I really love it and I'm getting great feedback. And so, so yeah, that's, that's that's why. And are you currently working on, are you writing other things now? What's kind of what's coming up for you? What are you working on? Well, so I'm, I'm a little distracted, but that is a short term problem. I think in April, my time will open up. I have a plan. (laughs) So in April, my time will, my, my time will open up. I plan on, I have a manuscript I started during, during the pandemic and I haven't really gone back to it, but I'm planned to. And that is, I, I have a, I have a plan. I love the plan. I'm going to pursue that. And, and hopefully, I don't know what my time, I don't know when I'll be finished, but it always takes longer than, than you think. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> I'd like to say end of year, but might be, you know, yeah, we'll see. Great. 
Let's just take a short pause and we'll come right back and talk more about your audiobook. Would you like to earn more from your audiobook sales? If you're an author with an audiobook, you may have noticed that royalties from Audible especially, and other platforms as well, are frankly kinda pathetically low. Disappointingly low. And unfairly low considering what it cost you in effort and resources to create it. How is it the retailers are the ones making all the money off your work and investment? As someone who started in the audiobook industry in 1981, I've found it frustrating that authors keep getting shortchanged. The good news is that Pro Audio Voices just launched Amplify Audiobooks, a direct sale audiobook platform for authors that puts you back in the driver's seat. Earn 65% of the gross sales price that you set. Compare that to the percentage of the percentage that retailers give. Run promotions on schedule whenever you want. Create coupon codes. Build community with your customers since you'll know who they are and how to contact them. Work with a caring, responsive, supportive team to help you succeed all along the way. Get help with marketing. Get paid weekly. We're helping audiobook authors who are frustrated by painfully low royalties and the barriers that prevent them from managing their own products and customers. Amplify Audiobooks is a direct sale platform that enables authors to earn much higher royalties and have way more control. We're disrupting the audiobook industry by putting authors first. Get started today at proaudiovoices.app or go to proaudiovoices.com and click on the distribution amplify link. Join the movement. So, Lindsay, your book, Fish Heads and Duck Skin, interesting title. Tell us a little bit about how you came up with that title. So my daughter, when we were in China, so she was about four and we went to dinner across the street from our apartment and it was a duck restaurant and i mean it was very local this is so different by the way from china now mm. there are it's just a different it changes so quickly but at the time the it was the restaurant was filled with smoke because people just every you know chain smoking at every table and i was used to that because i you know that there was just it was everywhere so and now it's not but there was a lot of smoke. We're in this very local place. And, you know, you order just a ton of food and they bring it out. They put it on the lazy season. So they bring out the the duck and they, you know, they cut it into different meats. So so if you haven't had duck before, there's like the crispy skin and then there's like the next layer and the next layer and the next layer. And then you put it together and eat it in kind of like a little taco, like a duck taco. And they don't call it a duck taco, but I can't remember what it's called. And then, but initially they also put out these a bowl of peanuts that had little dried fish in, in them. And my daughter was loved eating the fish out of the peanuts and loved this, the duck skin. And so she said, she pronounced at, at dinner, my favorite foods are fish heads and duck skin. And I was like, that's amazing. That is, <laughs> that is amazing that you just said that out loud and you mean it. And I, I like that has to be 
that has to go somewhere. That's like <laughs> unbelievable. It wasn't mac and cheese and, and you know, right. strawberries or ding-dongs and <laughs> Cheetos or whatever. It's like. So I, I, I put that as the name. It was the name from the beginning. I thought the publisher would change it because some people were like, oh, is that a cookbook? Oh, is that? They didn't understand it or what, you know, it, it is definitely an unusual title. But the but my publisher, She Writes Press, liked it and and kept it. Yeah. And I'm so glad that she did. Yeah. 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 And at what point did you, were you clear that you wanted to put it into audio? Oh, right away, because I just had heard that it was such a large and gr- probably from listening to podcasts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've listened to a ton of podcasts. Yeah. I just had heard that it was such a large and growing part of the reading market. I knew so many people that listened to audiobooks. I don't actually, that's not my, I do now, but I, that's not like my first choice. Mm-hmm. I just, but I think it's a great option. And I knew that that was where a lot of my market would be. So I was like, I can't, I don't want to miss out on that. And she writes, doesn't offer that. That's not part of their, their publishing package. So I knew that I needed it. And there was another She Writes author that had, that had Rachel Mitchellberg, who had, who had recorded her book with you and had had a great experience. So, yeah. so yeah, that's yeah. how I got here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great. And we talked a little bit about the casting process. Were there any other points that, you know, during the process of the audiobook production or, or review of the audio files or, or anything that you felt that, that you could remember was, like surprising or that maybe you didn't expect or, you know, anything that that sort of stands out to you about the process? Because a lot of our listeners are authors that are thinking about getting their book into audio or sort of in that process and, you know, trying to get a better handle on on what the experience might be like. So that's one reason I like to interview authors who have been through the process. Oh, yeah. So I got a, I was assigned a project manager and that was, I was used to that because I had a project manager with She Writes. And so that felt, and it was, she was very pleasant, very quick to respond. It was Emily, right? I'm so yeah. bad at names. Emily, yeah. Okay, she's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. And anyway, Emily was fabulous. And I was, I didn't know what to expect. So everything was a surprise, but I liked that how thorough it was. So so once it was recorded and I was asked to listen to it three times to see if there was anything and, you know, with a very clear direction on how to get my feedback back to, to Emily. Mm-hmm. And I was, I thought that was really helpful. I'm not a particularly, it's funny because obviously I, I can see details very easily but I'm, but I'm also always in a hurry. So I was like, okay, this three times thing is a lot for me because I just wanted it to be done. But I was really happy that I did it. And there were just a couple things that I caught, you know, maybe just the way a word was pronounced or, or even actually, I will say there was, there was one point and, you know, I'm reading along while I'm listening. And there was one point, I can't remember specifically what the words were, but it, she said it. And then I looked at it and I was like, that is the way it's written, but I don't like it. And I don't know if it's too much for me to ask you, but can you change that? <laughs> and it was really nice that she did. 
So I changed it in the book and I changed it. You know, I'd already read the book out loud, but it wasn't until I'd heard her read it, Hannah read it, that I caught something that I didn't like. Maybe it was repetitive or I don't know, just the way the word was. I was like, that's not working for me. And thankfully, I was able to address it. And but the thing that I think was also quite surprising was there was the attention to detail of Emily listening to the book and catching all kinds of things that I missed, like a tiny noise in the background, like a drawer closing or a door opening or, you know, things that I I didn't I wasn't listening for and hadn't had not noticed, but she noticed it. And so it felt made me feel like I was in good hands. Like, okay, this is going to be really clean and really professional. I loved everything about that and the way it sounded. And I was really proud of, of the work and putting it out in the world. Like, I love telling people to listen to the audiobook. And I had a lot. And so, like, at least 30% of my audience was audiobook listeners, people that would maybe even buy the book and then also listen to it or, you know, kind of go back and forth. So I felt really glad that I had it. And and I just heard a lot of great things from people about the audiobook. They loved it. And actually, I think, I don't know if I already told you this, but my friend that was, my friend was trying to get Hannah Baker to read her book and she wasn't available. So I was like, I got Hannah. Yes, I got Hannah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's great <laughs> to win yeah <laughs> that's wonderful <laughs> yeah so tell tell you know i would like our listeners to know where they can learn more about you and your writing what what's your website where would you like them to go to learn more about what you're up to probably the most current place is the substack newsletter which is lindsaysalaka.substack.com okay. it's called it's a thing and i just do a monthly post on the goings on. And otherwise my new my newsletter's not really up to date. I'm I'm revamping it. So that's it that's happening, but it's not there quite yet. I would say the newsletter is the best place. But it's only a once a month. It's not a it's not a daily right or weekly thing. And so. you're working on <laughs> and you've got an sort of early stages of your podcast, right? Now you've been doing yeah, some yeah, podcasting, yeah, yeah. which is great. Yeah. Yeah. That's just an early thing that's fun because I am I do see a lot of authors and people in the book industry. So it's just a little place for me to, it's a place for me to talk to them about their work. So it's been really fun. Yeah. Yeah. And that's all on Substack as well. Right. And or then, you can find, actually, the podcast is available anywhere you get podcasts. Right. And but it's, but you can also click on it from the podcast right, or from the Substack. Thingish. Thingish. Yes. yes. The Thingish podcast. Yeah. Great. <laughs> Well, Lindsay, uh, thank you for spending this time with me. This again is Lindsay Salaka, author of Fish Heads and Duckskin, a novel narrated by Hannah Baker. Thanks, Lindsay. Yeah, thank you, Becky. So nice to talk to you. Thanks for joining us for Audiobook Connection, behind the scenes with the creative teams. Please take a moment to subscribe at audiobookconnection.com. The podcast is sponsored by Pro Audio Voices, helping great stories come alive through audiobook production and marketing. Learn more at ProAudioVoices.com. Again, thanks for being with us, and please join us next week.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.